Hello, and welcome back to the Brothers Book Club podcast. We are here today with another book review episode. We will be putting another installment in the Penguin Little Black Classics set today. That is a collection of 80 pieces of short world literature that Penguin assembled. And Amanda and I, hey, co-host Amanda. Hello. We are here to review them for you. Today is episode 68, so we are nearing the end of the journey. It's it's truly light at the end of the tunnel stuff here for us, Amanda. Yeah. I mean, we're almost to the final 10, which feels like a significant but randomly numbered milestone. (laughs) (laughs) It's just another, yeah, just another set of 10, but the final 10 at any rate. And today we'll be covering and reviewing for you the Brothers Grimm. Uh, The collection is called The Robber bridegroom but really it's just five is it five fables five or six it's, yeah yeah it's a collection of some of those famous brothers grim fables or fairy tales and that's what we'll be covering today we will begin the pod as we have in recent episodes with just a brief overview this is when we tag in the research department also known as wikipedia to give you the listener especially if you're unfamiliar with who the brothers grim are what they wrote just a brief overview of what we'll be covering today and that's just to satisfy your own background and context and perhaps curiosities. I'll take the who part of this. We like to do some middle school style questions. So who are the brothers Grimm? Well, there are two German brothers, Jacob and Wilhelm, who were historians, technically, I think by trade, academic guys, people, yeah. you know, writers also, who essentially got famous by collecting folk tales. I guess you wrote down here that they're mo- mainly German, but I saw in there that there were some maybe inspired by other European folk tales or mm-hmm. myths. I don't know if you confirm that. I did not, but I can. Okay, and I can't either. <laughs> like academically speaking, or in a uh, scholastic sense, I can't confirm it at all. Again, we're relying on the R and D or the research mm-hmm. department, anyway, of Wikipedia for this. But this is what I had heard about them before too: is that they essentially recorded a lot of things and put things down that had not been recorded before. They translated a lot of it. They updated things. Despite the criticism that I'll be throwing at them later, they actually (laughs) kind of made the language better. They like improved upon verbal tales and had made them a bit more readable, maybe a bit more modern for the time. And so they did, they did other academic works too. They tried to make a um, German dictionary I saw, and then they ended up only in the H's or something. Like they made it halfway through this really comprehensive dictionary, and they tried some other academic things, but certainly they're most famous for getting these folk tales and getting these fables or fairy tales down. Um, mm-hmm. What else did they do, Amanda? Or why does this matter? Um, so, it, why does it matter? Excellent question. Um, well, Indeed. I thought it was interesting that these stories um, were actually used as propaganda for the Third Reich. Um, it, mm-hmm. the reason that the, the brothers had initially started this project was because, uh, they wanted to show their, their pride in, um, their nation. So they were doing it as like, um, as a way to show their patriotism. And so the right. later, the third Reich used that and, and they were like, look at these amazing tales and, and it teaches such great lessons about how strong we are as a people and how ethical we are and all this other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. um, so, but the, the why of, um, these tales, these seven tales were included in the, the classics here. I'm, I'm guessing it's the same reasons as, um, Aesop's fables, Anderson's fairy tales, and, and all those that we've encountered in this collection. And I think it's just, uh, insights into, um, the, the ethics of specifically Western society. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's all about the morality of like 
hey, if you do something like this, then you're going to get punished in this way. And if you're good like this, then you'll get rewarded in this way. So I think it's all about the the morals of Western society. It's intriguing how that the ones you just named that we've covered, the Anderson, the Aesop, they're mm-hmm. almost less useful as a literary device, as a literary examination and more as like a morality test for mm-hmm. certain civilizations. And if you want to say Western Civ and divide it that way, that would be one way to do it. Yeah. But yeah, it's they, they almost have no literary noteworthiness. And I know that's I understand it's just factually untrue. I guess I'm that's a very biased thing I'm saying. To me, they are liter- in a literary sense not that interesting or noteworthy mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons we'll get into. But I, I suppose in the grand scheme of things, it's more just here are – it's kind of what children's lit does, right? Here are the tales that we use to teach young people things that we need them to know that we want them to understand. So, mm-hmm. yeah, in terms of the why would they would include this, in the grand scheme of things, these are some of the most well-known stories – ever written in English or ever translated, I should say, to English? Have you ever heard of Hansel and Gretel, Rapunzel, Beauty and the Beast, Little Red Riding Hood, Rumpelstiltskin, Sleeping Beauty, etc., etc.? Right. Just, Have just you watched Disney? Off the, yeah, <laughs> just rifling off the Wikipedia at this point. But yeah, that, the point being, these are deeply culturally ingrained stories. And so I can understand why they threw them in here now. Yeah. Do they, do they to me, in 2020 have reading merit uh let's dig in and find out let's move to the actual (laughs) review part of this uh, episode at this point hopefully that background was enough for you folks out there curious we begin our reviews with a one sentence simile of the reading experience uh i'll start with mine this week i feel like i always throw it to you let's let's take the pressure off you i'll begin (laughs) with my simile i feel like i should have had this one already but i don't think i have reading this felt very video game like to me like playing a video game And Mm -hmm. I wrote down like a bad one, but then I thought about it and I guess here's the difference, right? When a video game introduces to you a really convenient plot point or like explanation, it's usually to give you a power or an ability to do something in the game. So it's like, here's these rocket boots. I don't really want to tell you why you need them, but it's going to be so cool to use them. Like, sweet, now you have rocket boots, go do a rocket jump or whatever. It's going to be like more fun, more dynamic, more engaging. So you don't really care what the explanation is. Right. But reading this felt the same way. There's jumps like that that just don't make sense or or will never be justified. Mm -hmm. But this isn't, there's no playing. So I don't feel, it doesn't feel cooler, you know, or great. It's just kind of like, well, in the narrative context of this story, it's glaring. It's like, why did that happen? Or what's happening? Or who did that and why? Or Mm -hmm. how did they get that? And so anyway, it... It lacked that video game interaction payoff, so I felt it was egregious, basically. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a game, I'm often, I'll just kind of like, my mind glazes over. I'm just like, okay, cool. I don't really care. I just have the rocket boots now. Like, let me keep moving on, and now I'll mess with these, and it'll be fun. So it kind of felt like that to me. Yeah, my, minus the fun. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. I think that's a great simile. <laughs> How about for yours, then, Amanda? Uh, mine said, um, reading this is like watching a children's YouTube channel. There's lots of action towards something with some kind of lesson, but there's no development beyond that. You're not going to get a whole bunch of characterization mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's just, you're following one character through these terrible decisions and then, oh, right. lesson learned. Okay, done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very rapid fire. Yeah. Do you find that to be... 
I don't even know. Like, I occasionally children's YouTube trends will come into my world because news articles are written about them. I know there's one kid YouTuber who makes many millions, and that's a whole its whole ethical, moral quagmire, weird, weird internet thing. But I, you have familiarity with children's YouTube, obviously. Is this? Do people remake stories like this on YouTube? Yeah, there's um. So the there are two YouTube channels that my daughter is like really in love with right now. And they yeah. both actually take uh, the sing songy, like mother goose stuff okay. and they yeah. visualize it for the kids and they like kind of remake it for, for uh, like today's happenings and stuff like that. So it's a modern huh. okay. musical retelling of like mother goose tales. Let me then, um, I'm going to use that as my graceful segue to the connections. We also like to begin the reviews by making some connections from presumably an old work to 2020. Mine is adaptation. I think Mm -hmm. that's the, I mean, it's the most obvious one here because as I listed off the Wikipedia, so many of these stories just won't go away. They've been updated. (laughs) They're even getting like the big budget CGI treatment at this point with the Snow White and the Huntsman one. There's of course the Disney cartoon fair and those will probably, I'm sure some of those will get wasn't Beauty and the Beast done live action? The Emma yeah. Watson one? Mm-hmm. And Emma yeah, I, my, Disney's not, wasn't really a touchstone of my childhood. So I seeing all of this stuff come up again is odd to me because I never really experienced it in a, in a passionate way, more of just like a knowledge of culture way. Mm. So I don't, I don't really have reactions when they remake that stuff. Um, but I, I suppose people love it and want to see it retold, but yeah, they've just, if you care about movie adaptations or TV adaptations, then these will stand out because a lot of these have been adapted. Oh yeah. So you'll know the plots just from pop culture. Yep. And I'm, I was a Disney fan and am a Disney yeah, fan. Yeah. yeah. But there's sure. like, yeah, definitely adaptations of the adaptations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot yeah. Going on. Yeah. Com- yeah. Completely. And the way they, even they changed it in the cartoons, right. But now they've changed it for the live action. And so, right. Many filters deep now. We are many. We've been they've been filtered many times. Yes. Who knows what will come out on the other side when we filter them twenty more times? Yeah, always a happy sort of ending, like, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's sort of like if you keep feeding a translated word into Google Translate, but then you do it back and forth. It oh, it eventually yeah. will give you just nonsense speak. You know, if you just keep making it do that back and forth, it's just very odd. Uh, what about you for a connection, Amanda? Anything relevant? Sure. I said just, you know, any questions of right and wrong, right? These are these are moralistic tales. And if you're interested in uh, exploring some of the the ideas of, of the morals of that time period, then, hey, you know, this is the book for you, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And there's no there's nothing wrong with. Well, as you and I have said many times, I think there is something wrong with this kind of flagrant moralizing and, yeah. and perhaps. It has its place maybe with children's stories and that's okay. You know, it teaches theme at a young age or introduces that concept and helps them build it up in their mind. Mm-hmm. But if you are an adult person looking for even a shred of complexity, then yeah, these are, these are going to be morals in your face. Yep. Which we've not liked in the past. That may hold up true in this episode as well. <laughs> why don't, um, why don't you begin Amanda with the quotes then today? Cause I think you have at least one with, has a moral in it. Don't you? Oh uh, yeah, I mean it was yeah. hard not to <laughs> have one with right. a moral yeah. in yeah. it. Um, so uh, let's see here, which one? Which one were you referring to? <laughs> the, well, I think the, the Snow I think White it was or the, the second. I think the Snow White one. Yeah. 
Because so. it was just like, it's telling you her her vice. And yeah. so it's just setting up, here's what's wrong with her. Here's what you shouldn't do or what you shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. A- yeah. So Snow White is one of the ones. It's um, in my copy it's actually called there's two different snow whites so um i read them both but one of them is snow white and rose red which is a different snow white than the one that we all know and then there's snow white and the seven dwarves which i think is the one that you have in your collection i'm assuming it was not the rose red one uh i had oh geez what's the difference between them again sorry um in the snow white and rose red she has a sister snow white's sister is rose red Oh, not that one then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, I read them both. Anyway, this one is okay. from the Snow White and the Seven Dwarves one. Um, and it's yes. about the queen. And it says, and envy and pride like ill weeds grew in her heart higher every day. And it goes on. Um, but I chose this one in particular because it it does show the villainy of the, the queen of the stepmother. But um, also I, I chose it because of the simile there. Um, yeah. And with this type of writing, uh, we, and we saw it in Aesop's fables. We saw it in like Sinbad the sailor. We saw it with Hans Christian Andersen. It's, they, it's plot driven and it's meant to carry forward. Therefore what happens like the, the literary aspect, the style aspect is often just like completely negated. So, Mm-hmm. Anytime that I saw when I was reading uh, these stories, anytime that I saw anything that was at all stylistic, I was like, oh, look at this. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I chose that because sometimes right. there were some really interesting um, similes in there that I was like, oh, that's, that's I like that imagery there. Um, so that's one that I found. And another one was in, um, I think, the, the Bremen, the Bremen town musicians. That one mm-hmm. had yeah. an interesting one where they were talking about like the cat looked as um, desolate as uh, three days of rain or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> well, you can. The rain is a that's kind of a because, you know, they they don't like being wet traditionally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. So that was like the positive that I could find as far as uh, when I was reading, right. I was looking for something nice to say. So that was it. Well, and I think, too. <laughs> Yeah, the, I, stylistically, you're going to be grasping for breadcrumbs, or you know, begging for crumbs, or however that expression goes, or however you <laughs> yeah. want to spin that. You're, you're, yeah, you're essentially begging over that kind of small detail, just anything to sink into because it's it's slim pickings across the board, mm-hmm. right? It's largely sentences that just move the plot along yeah. from point to point. You know, transitions all over the place, just pushing you through the story, hundred mm-hmm. percent. I pulled a quote here that I'll start with because it gets to the video game analogy from earlier, which is just, this was such a confusing moment to me. And just the way it's written in the story is just feels incredibly, it's the kind of thing that if a person wrote this into a story today, it would cause just Reddit uproars all over because there's just no background, no explanation. It says on page three for me, it's a story about the uh, master huntsman Mm -hmm. on page three. It says in the first room he entered, there was a sword hanging on the wall. It was made of pure silver, and on it was a golden star in the king's name, and beside it on a table lay a sealed letter. He opened the letter, which said that whoever had the sword would be able to kill any enemy he met. So he took the sword from the wall, buckled it on, and went further, and he goes on and uses it. It's just such a contrivance. It's incredible. It's just like, (laughs) 
again, that feels so video gamey to me. It's just kind of like, oh, this. Oh, you found the room. Oh, there's a sword in here. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Like, oh, it's mm-hmm. the super. It's the powerful one that you can use to go do the thingy madoodle you need to go do it. Yep. It's just the most simplistic convenience of a plot device, and mm-hmm. it, you know, and. It, it's of course it precisely the item he needs for the moment, and then he goes and uses the item, and it's just the most A to B stuff. It's not particularly engaging or interesting, and it really just reads like a simplistic kid's story, frankly. And you know, take that if you will. If that entertains you, to, so be it. That's fine. I certainly read young adult fiction that has moments kind of like that can feel kind of like this. Convenient yeah. things, things that feel. Not underexplained, but oversimplified. This is both. I think it's yeah. both overly simple and just never explained. You know, yeah. like, like okay, why does the why king was... leave it there? Yeah, and why, why is there he... that letter? Why is there a letter explaining his own sword to him? <laughs> just okay, <laughs> it's conveniently there for him. It's all, it also was sealed, which is never oh, yeah. like, all right. Uh, was he going to give it away? Uh, mail it somewhere? Ship it somewhere? And why and is it questions... right next to the door? Oh yeah, where he comes, he just so <laughs> happens unguarded. to break in. <laughs> yeah, he just breaks in at the right place yeah. and with no yeah, no one around to see him. Yeah. It's a, it's absurdities all around. I don't there's no no point in even asking these questions other than to poke fun at the text and like shrug, put up your arms in general <laughs> bafflement and just say, "Okay, whatever." And so yeah, uh, th- it's a section though there were others, maybe not as egregious. That was probably the most egregious example I think I could find mm-hmm. of just cuz it becomes a key thing that he needs and it yeah. just is a mir- miraculous find and doesn't have any symbolic meaning as far as I can tell other than just general sword violent imagery and the King stuff. But yeah, yeah it it's just that kind of a to B simplistic connect these dots. Don't think about it too much. That sort of writing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you have another quote you want to throw out there? Yeah, actually my other quote is also from master huntsman. I guess this is the one that we're going to be dunking on the most, but uh- <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> It was the first one I read, so. <laughs> yeah, I followed in order of your your list as well. Uh-huh. Um, so the, the quote I chose was, uh, then the king said he had pronounced his own sentence about the captain um, who had lied. Um, and the captain was put in prison and then torn in four pieces. But the king's daughter was married to the huntsman. So <laughs> that was one sentence. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. This, there, I felt like the ending of a lot of these stories, it was just like a whiplash effect for me. It's just, right, you have this horrific thing happening to the the villain, right? The person who has done wrong. And then it's like, oh, but look at this. Happiness is on the other side with the the protagonist here. It's just, what? <laughs> and even sometimes yeah. the actual ending, like in... Uh, the devil's three golden hairs and in uh, Bremen town band, like the very last uh, paragraph for each one, the narrator inserts himself and says like, and obviously I'm the one who's telling the story. So I survived that. It's like, what is that? <laughs> Why are yeah. you, what yep. even? So like the endings to these, sometimes I'm just like, that was so weird <laughs> Why well, the, when like there's that? no when there's no real attempt at to establish any inner life of any person yeah. no psychological motivation or emotional motivation or there's just no lived in inner life of any person in yeah. these stories really I, I guess maybe a couple of them snow white you could debatably say goes through kind of like a a jealousy bit or is kind of tempted or 
something like that. It, there's just so little to to think about. And so when the plot is presented in that way, there's a real apathy I found to reading it, though it's objectively, I think we'd mentioned this before we hit record, but it's objectively very fast moving, yeah. but it felt very lethargic at the same time, just because when there, when there's no depth to, to find yourself in, it just feels kind of like, I don't know, like you're going quickly, but it's none of it is mattering. And so right. you, these things just wash over you. I don't know. It's just lack of, and it could just be my own demands from a story a narrative or a text. But yeah, when it's not meeting those base requirements, it just kind of felt like the story just happens to you and it's hard to remember even what happened. <laughs> right. Yeah, we have no real uh, feeling for any of the characters because there's just, the, the characterization is just like, hey, this is this inherently evil person. Okay. Yeah. And then, right. oh, there's this pretty girl. Okay. <laughs> and hey, there's this guy who's the prince who throws a tantrum, but you're supposed to like him and support him. Okay. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> Were they, like stock or flat characters. I mean, yeah. pretty much exclusively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny too. I always, I very much like bulk at the, I need to care about the character's idea because there's been things I've loved where I don't care about any of them emotionally. I mean, mm-hmm. I care about them as in the, as if they are, or, or insofar as they're interestingly created with complexity, depth, and like they mean something. So I, I always bulk at that because it's like, I don't have to like any of these people to think this is really great. You know, mm-hmm. I've liked a lot of things where I don't like anyone. And so I've, yeah, that's, that's like feels like a Hollywoodish. You hear that with like big budget stories or movies where they're like, we got someone's got to be likable. Who's the likable one? And I'm like, who cares? It doesn't to be good. It doesn't have to have anyone likable. But these aren't even not only is likability not really an issue. There's barely any personhood (laughs) to, you know, to speak of, at least as we would define in inner life, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, very little to grab onto. The only other quote I pulled, I'll mention quickly. I tried to also kind of pull a positive one, though it's it's a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, as one would expect with these. The bad is the repetition, as with many fairy tales, fables, folk tales, whatever. These have just rampant repetition and listing are like the core writing rhetorical things in these stories. And so this is a section where these six characters get introduced in the exact same repeating way where it says the prince asked, tell me, what do you hear at the court of the old woman who is a, he's just asking these people questions Mm -hmm. and then they say what their power is. He's essentially assembling a team with powers, (laughs) which is such a, Yeah, it was such an odd story construction to read or like an organizational decision because of how popular the Marvel stuff has been in the last decade. Mm -hmm. And it's literally the same thing in a short story where Mm -hmm. he finds super hearing man and super eating man and super. (laughs) I forgot the other ones. There's others. Uh, The one who can blow up stones with his eyes. Yeah. Super, super laser eye man or Superman, I guess. That's what he does. And Cyclops. And then he finds the hot or cold man. You yeah. know, it's just it's like Mega Man characters or yeah, the Avengers. Yeah. But yeah, he just says, I don't even know if I should read. He he says things like, What a tall whopper you are. Oh, said the tall man. <laughs> this is nothing. When I really stretch my limbs, I'm three thousand times the height, taller than the highest mountain on earth. I'll be glad to serve you, sir. But then later, you know, he says, um later when he's talking to other characters, he says I can't take off my blindfold because my eyes are so powerful that when they look at anything, it explodes. If that's if that's any use to you, sir, I'll gladly serve you. Come with us, answered the prince. I can use you. And he just, it's that over and over. Come with us. I can use you. Come with, come join me. Come with. It's just, and in one paragraph, these six people just get picked up. Again, there's no explanation. They find yeah. them in order. 
None of them get a backstory. He just collects them like dolls in a paragraph <laughs> and then moves on with the narrative, I guess. So I, at least the reason I pulled that one, though, because at least they it was so rapid fire and their and their descriptions were so strange uh, and kind of bizarre Mm-hmm. that I was gripped by that story. I just wanted to see what the hell became of this odd band of not brothers of these like wackos, you yeah. know, and these superheroes essentially. And yeah, I, I don't know if there's much more to say about the quote there. It's certainly not fun to analyze, but it's just a bizarre, <laughs> fun little detail from a story. And uh, I thought maybe it was one of the odder moments of yeah. the whole thing. It was definitely, yeah, definitely a weird story. They're They're all like, I think a little bit weird in one way or another, right? Like the Bremen yeah. town band with the animals. Like that's an odd one. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> a, band, a band of animals. Yeah. 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 Who think that Musical. they're like amazing singers and drummers. And yeah. Right. Right. Certainly goofy in its own way. No, yeah. no question. I a hundred percent agree with you on that. That's true. Yeah. I think that they could well, be really great reads if, they actually like bothered to to throw some style in there and like develop the, some of their ideas a little bit more. Yeah, they just seemed they just seemed targeted and written for an attention span that is is lesser, you know, a, a child's type of attention where you're just trying to establish things quickly and clearly and then move to the next thing as swiftly as you possibly can. It yeah, it had a pace to it that again, I didn't find gripping but is inarguably quick. There's yeah. just no denying that. Mhm. I think I was about to interject earlier, but you made a great point there. I I think I'm good on quotes. I, there's not a lot yeah. to quote from here. At least I think I tried to pull some things representative. I think we did a good job. Yeah. Let's let's jump to the literary corner. Then this is the educational part of every review when we try and give you the listener some kind of literary knowledge or background, or we explain a rhetorical device. This week we pulled the phrase or the term or the concept of adaptation. Uh, I'm going to read the Penguin Literary Dictionary definition, and then we'll talk through it here. Adaptation is the process by which one narrative form or medium is converted into another. For example, a novel to a film, a stage play to a screenplay, or a classical poem to a graphic novel, or any combinations thereof. Adaptation theory has recently sought to develop its purpose and methodology beyond the straightforward identification of how close a retelling might be to the original, which they call fidelity criticism in the in the book. Hmm. Basically, that comes down to, you know, oh, it was really faithful. Oh, it wasn't, you know, and yeah. therefore the book is always better, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's kind of it, the criticism can become very simplistic. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of new questions in this field that arise concerning, for example, questions of the nature of appropriation authorship and canon, what should be canonized. I only pulled this just to mention, and we kind of covered this in connections, but just to mention again, how many ideas have clearly been adapted out of this story or Mm -hmm. out out of these brothers, grim fairy tales, fables, whatever. I don't know. It would be probably its own pod. If we wanted to pull like snow white, for example, and do a full, our own adaptation analysis. I don't know if we're here to do that for you, but I think, what do you think? How about this as a question, though? I know I'm just stalling, but do you think there's enough difference to make the things like that worth reading? Let's say I love the movie. What should mm-hmm. I do? I think that so what did keep me interested uh, with like Snow White and the Huntsman and stuff like that is is trying to compare it to what I've heard or what I've seen. So because I love Disney, I was like, ooh, okay, I yeah. want to see what the differences are. And the difference being the Queen's Punishment, right? <laughs> like... Right, How horrific right. is that? And then also like the age of the child, right? She's seven. 
<laughs> in this story um, when she when all this happens and, and things like that. So I found that interesting. So I think that if you want to do a side by side comparison, you you might find them interesting. It definitely is like worth the 10 minutes of your time to read it um, if you wanted to do a, a comparison like that. And yeah. Yeah. But I otherwise, even, if I you don't care, that. don't do it. My favorite adaptations have always changed something significantly in the mm-hmm. adaptation. And that's why I think the, the most recent example of this I can think of that was like close to, close to my interests or, or passions or whatever was Game of Thrones, where I would tell people as, as someone who like I came to the books first and then really enjoyed the show for the most part, the controversy aside, whatever. But like the first season of Game of Thrones was so similar that if someone just had only a passing interest, that is a 100% just watch the show. If you really are vibing with it, yeah, maybe jump in on the books at that point with book two, you'll be fine. Maybe go to Wikipedia and like fill in blanks later because yeah, there's more characters, etc. Mm-hmm. But it was so faithful that it was just kind of like, why would you do the book version unless you, you know, if you're already like, I prefer reading anyway, I want the pacing of that. I want the more detail, whatever. Then you already were going to read it anyway. Why are you asking? <laughs> you know, right. like, just go read. Then you you like reading. Great. It's a good book. Go read it. But, and so I, and so there's not really an interesting conversation there. Again, it becomes very checklisty. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they, they didn't do that scene, but it doesn't really matter. They copy pasted the other 30 scenes right. in, in the dialogue or what. And so I just find, I didn't find many of these. And again, I'm not a Disney fanatic, but I didn't find many of these different enough to seem, I mean, they're all less detailed and shorter, right? Because- right. That, you know, because they are, they're really brief stories, but I didn't find anything different enough for me to think, oh, that would make for such a fruitful, interesting, rich conversation to like discuss, oh, why'd they do that? What's this mean? How's this symbol different or this interpret, you know? So anyway, I felt very neutrally about these, but again, I'm not a Disney fanatic, so I can't, I can't really dig into a ton of the specifics here. I wasn't sure if you felt that way too. Well, the, with specifically like Snow White and in the Disney version and yeah, the, the yeah. Grimm's version, it's, uh, there weren't too, too many differences. Uh, the, the biggest differences being the Queen's punishment and also the, the age of Snow White, but also that um, how many times the Queen visits Snow White. Yeah. Um, yeah. That kind of stuff. And I mean, I, I found that interesting, um, but it wasn't enough for me to like, want to do more like i'm not gonna go look at how beauty and the beast is different and stuff like that it's not it wasn't enough for me i definitely see why disney uh found these stories so appealing and why um they have been adapted into movies i mean like the plot is you know moving forward and there's um like some interesting twists and stuff like that and it is immoral at the end, but um, Disney does a better job with obviously like characterized characterization and stuff and, and, and kind of exploring more like the inner workings of at least the, the heroes. It Um, helps to have fun cartoons and music. Those things are not going to hurt your, you know, your entertainment project or whatever. Right. And, and a lot of those songs are like for insights into the, the characters themselves. So it's like, right, it's, right. it's nice to have that extra aspect. And I think that actually the Disney versions kind of make these readings a little bit richer. I could, okay. Yeah. I could see that. They were doing it backwards almost. Yeah. 
Interesting. It's how most people would never recommend, but these could be an exception. Again, the, the idea of which order you should do adaptation or which you should approach from is feels like its own separate episode. But there there are questions here, and these feel like rife for that discussion or, or rich for that discussion, I, mm-hmm. I suppose I should say, just because they're so common to the culture now. And, yeah. and there are differences enough. I just, yeah, my feeling was more neutral, but I think you made a good point for it there. Let's jump to the review portion, the final recommendation portion of the pod we'll do it in two parts as always we'll begin with the so what's good about it segment that's the russell french in memoriam portion rest in peace grampy uh, <laughs> hopefully we can get you a better one next week but th- the whole premise <laughs> of this segment though to be fair to honor his memory is for a book like this because yeah it's it, on the on the days when we love the reading this segment is whatever and here it's actually meaningful i i will begin I thought the Six Servants one, the kind of the superheroes assemble, Avengers assemble that I read from earlier with the strange powers, it was repetitive and very boring to read, but it was odd enough to really keep me hooked. I mostly just wanted to see what the heck the story would do with all their powers. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I wouldn't say any of them were disappointing, but there were a couple that were inventive, though, that felt original in a way where I thought, oh, that's not what I expected that person to do. That's very strange. And then a couple were very obvious. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that one had some real intrigue and actually held me for a second. It's also just hilarious to see that plot device uh, in such an early tale. Who knows what we would attribute? Maybe like is the Iliad the first ever Avengers Assemble story? Like, I don't, <laughs> what do we, how far back are we going to say that plot device or that, not plot device, but that story construction and organizational trick goes? Beowulf, it was just funny maybe? to see it. <laughs> but Beowulf's alone when he fights the dragon, though. That's true, but he does use them in order to get to the, the big bads and stuff. He uses okay. them to kind of. Yeah. And in the beginning when he fights Grendel, isn't he responding to like a, Mm-hmm. like a, a thief's a summon, need or yeah. something yeah, yeah something like that anyway yeah it's been a been a long time but no i yeah i just what's the first ever story that has the device of i'm gonna go around and collect all my friends with different powers <laughs> 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 we're not even friends all of these peoples these all of these random. you know i need i need different people to fill different roles you know it's like very seven samurai-esque kind of dirty dozen anyway I, that was really fun to see i enjoyed seeing that so that's my what's good about it how about yours amanda um i did a very generic that it was it was a very fast read and there is a lot of action yep. and it does uh you know it it, it clips along really really well um there is yes. no characterization and stuff like that which is disappointing but at the same time i mean if if you have a short attention span then like hey this is great. Yeah, no, completely. I, it, it, for whatever reason, again, we'd have to do, I'd have to have thought about this more before you pose this good point, but it did not grab my attention, but it also is objectively very fast reading. So mm-hmm. there's some, I'm having some friction there in my brain to assess why that happened, but it's definitely true. They're short, they're quick, 100%. Let's jump to the final rating, which we no longer do numerically. We're just going to do it on the yes, no, maybe system. Either yes, read this, no, don't read this, or maybe read this. And again, I'll take the lead on this episode, I suppose, Amanda. No, I say don't read this. I think this is a pass. No need. Disney's made updated versions with music and charm and color and fun, and these don't have any of those things that I just named. I may be fun. Maybe I'm being cruel there or something. (laughs) I think these make for odd bedtime reading for kids if you want them to read something like kind of macabre and spooky i guess without it being it's not like it's horrifying but there's weird details in here that it just i think a modern parent would be shielding their kid from i assume anyway yeah so unless you're doing that kind of thing or unless you want to do 
a specific kind of study or look at adaptation or just a folk tale or fairy tale history or something. But if that's you, you already know that your tastes are so niche or they're so specific that, you know, you don't have to listen to our word on it. I think for, you know, we're targeting that average 10 books a year reader with these. No, this should not be one of the things you go out and read this year. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about for you, Amanda? Uh, I agree full heartedly. Uh, it's definitely a yeah. no for me as well. Um, just because I, as fast as they were, they just were just that they were just stories. They were just words that were moving along a page for me. They didn't hold my interest in that. I didn't feel a sense of like any interest in these people's lives. It was just, Oh, here's another beautiful girl. And she's sleeping. Okay. And here's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's this dude who's like, kind of like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Things always work out for me in the end. And they do. And things like it just wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't anything that, held me um held my interest for very long and and i am a huge fan of disney and grew up watching disney and disney does an amazing job with these stories you should definitely if you are interested in Grimm's fairy tales just go ahead and watch disney it's like (laughs) there's better characterization uh it definitely is more gripping and um also great music and also, even the non-Disney adaptations of these grim fairy tales, like, um, have you ever seen the movie The Tenth Kingdom? I have not. <gasps> okay, so Tenth Kingdom is amazing, and it focuses on the Grimm's fairy tales, but it's a live-action movie. It's like, okay, it's, it's really, really long, uh, but it's great. And it also shows, minus the music, it shows characterization it even gives insight into some of the villains and stuff like that like that kind of stuff is more interesting to me than the actual like what i read right okay yeah the kind of flip the pov kind of a thing right yeah yeah i could see that too that feels like a kind of modernist right take or like a postmodern even take kind of a meta thing Mm -hmm. no completely and that's yeah i think you nailed it disney knew what mass entertainment could be and when you add lights, camera, action, and music, I think crucially to a lot of these. It just, it gives them a life that the pros doesn't have. They stripped away a lot of the oddities, but I don't even think the oddities are worth finding here. They're mostly just gruesome things that make no sense (laughs) or that aren't explained well. You know, it's just kind of like, yeah, he has a sword and he cuts people's heads off with it, but like the sword made no sense. So why is that interesting? You know, (laughs) it's just a little more violent, I guess. That's what you're missing out on, it feels like. So yeah, no, I... Can't recommend these either. Any final thoughts on the Grimm collection here, Amanda? Uh, no, just don't even bother, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's a pass. But thanks for listening to us. As always, we're happy to trudge through the through the mud so you don't have to. That's a, <laughs> one of our great honors on the pod, honestly. We don't mind doing a takedown episode. This is a no episode yep. all around. <laughs> Next week, we'll be back with another review as per usual. This is a name I can't pronounce, but we'll now try to. Uh, Catalyst, or Catalyst, which I believe is a Roman poet could make for some interesting and odd stuff. We'll see how that goes. And until next week's episode, we will see you between the classics. <laughs>